How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to edition number 47 of Joe vs. the World. My guest today was on way back in episode 17, back in August, talking the best of the 80s Japan Indies uh, ballot at DeathValleyDriver.com. He is back to discuss the same subject. We have the results. It's been far too long, so let's welcome back Death Valley Driver's own Phil Schneider. Phil, how you doing? Pretty good, Joe. I was I was telling you before you uh, we clicked on that my goal in this uh, podcast is to let you talk more. Uh, it's gonna be less of a, it's gonna be less of a Spalding Gray monologue and more of a conversation. Is my plan. That's good. We'll see uh, what I what I have to say about the the subject matter. Yeah, we'll so. see whether that happens. I I can't guarantee it's gonna happen. I can I can can't say I'm gonna try, but I'm gonna try to try. All right. Well, we have the balloting all set for the the uh, 80s Japan Indies. Do you have any overall thoughts on the uh, the process? It's, it's been a long road since uh, August. Oh yeah, I mean, we were you know every time we do the second time we've done one of these, we're currently uh, doing uh, the Watts one. It's kind of a project put together by guys who aren't super efficient, so so we're, it's moving slow. But you know, I'm guessing by the time we're ready, we're finishing with the 80s. We'll do the best of the 2010s. <laughs> if we can finish this around 2020, it'll be able to do the 2010s and all the really great uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. matches from 2014 or something like that. Rocky Romero. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get you started. We'll get into that in a little bit. But, um... Okay, we can talk about Rocky Romero. I guess. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, but yeah, so we're, we're, we finished up uh, other fans. I thought it was, I thought it went pretty well. I, thought, I was surprised at the number of ballots we got back for what is really an obscure subgenre of an obscure subgenre. So it was pretty. We got sixty, I think, four ballots, which yeah. was. I was I was hoping I was hoping to get forty, so I was pretty happy with the response. That's good. And I was. Th- this- I was just going to say, this was pretty, like, hardcore stuff for wrestling fans. Like, yeah. not not really, like, uh, I was talking to Rob Naylor, and he, he was kind of in the same boat where, where we, we like this stuff, but, you know, there was a lot of it to digest, and uh, it took a while to get through for me personally. I hope Rob got his ballot in. Uh, Rob didn't get his ballot <laughs> <laughs> I think he chopped out. He, he, he did a good, good review in the most recent Death Valley Driver of the Jakarta Backlund match, which was the match he really liked, but... I've known Rob for a long time, and I knew that he was have trouble with this. Not his, uh, not his bag of tea. I, I'm a big, I'm a guy who kind of is originally, really when I started being a fan, the first stuff I really got into was kind of Mikinoku Pro and Battler. Mm-hmm. So I was a guy who was early. I mean, the first time I got into obviously was NWA stuff and WWE stuff when I was a little kid. But like when I started trading tapes and started hanging out with uh, Dean and getting stuff from him, like that Battler stuff was the stuff that really you know, was my, my, one of my early favorites. And that that's all, you know, different than the UWF stuff, but it's been coming from it, so. Yeah. Did, did you get a lot of feedback from people who, who, who went into this and then kind of like, you know, oh, I'm not really a big fan of this? Yeah, I think, I think if you read the read the read uh, all the stuff on the board, we had the, the two short board where we sort of talk about the, the matches. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, six or seven of these in a row. You gotta remember, <laughs> Jeff. You guys, you guys got the seventy-five. You guys got the week. Mm. I mean, me and Tom <laughs> Ted watched every single second of every single release DVD of this stuff. So we got the chaff, brother. Don't talk to me. You may say this match was boring, but then one of the shows started with two thirty-minute draws, two undercard thirty-minute draws. That's the uh. I mean, there were whole shows where we would watch the whole thing and go nothing on. <laughs> You know, so you're like, wow, this. 
I don't know why they put on this Minoru Suzuki Yuki Miyata. I was talking to Dean about that. He's talking about why I put on this uh, Minoru Suzuki Yuki Miyata match. It's kind of boring. It's like, man, you don't know boring. Miyata was in some boring matches. This is the exciting Miyata match. Uh, <laughs> let me let me let me let me send you all the uh, ones that were boring. Wow. Well, the the number one was uh, Takata versus Kira Maeda. It beat out a uh, Fujiwara Super Tiger match by twenty eight points. I don't know if you posted your ballot. Was was that your number one? Were you happy with that being number one? Um, I think my my number one was uh, the Yamazaki uh, Fujiwara match from eighty uh, from eighty nine, mm-hmm. which I think ended up thirteen or fourteen. Uh, yes, but I had Maeda. I had Maeda. I don't remember exactly what I what I had. I had Maeda uh, to caught a pretty darn high for a match between two guys that I was not particularly fond of overall. Mm. This uh, not a Came out of this, uh, out of this experience, being a significantly less of a Tagata fan than I was going into it. And Maeda was the guy who I don't think ever has really done a ton for me. So for a match between two guys I, that weren't weren't really pushing my buttons, I had that really high. I thought it was a really great match. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm fine with that as number one, especially because, like you know, I, I, I mean, for the you know, the last months I've been getting ballots in, sending them to Chris Harrington, who did the amazing job on the stats. Mm-hmm. And he would he continuously send me updates, right? So I saw how the the ballots, you know, it was this is the final, but I was kind of watching them go, you know, what was what was early favorites that would drop, and I like this match a lot better than the uh, I guess the, I think it was the nine seven Fujiwara Tiger, the one that was clipped, yeah, and Takata Backlund, both of which were kind of for a, a while trading the number one spot. Mm-hmm. Up until we got like a big rush of twenty-five ballots at the end or something, they kind of switched everything up. So I was kind of happy this ended up number one because I liked it a lot better than the two matches that were number one for the most of the time when I was getting the ballot. I actually had that that Tiger Fujiwara match, the nine-seven one. At uh, that was my number one actually. And the I one think, with the one that was clipped. Yeah, um, I think so. Wow, I didn't like that though. I mean, I had that pretty well. I thought. But out of the series, I thought it was the uh, I don't know the third best out of the series. What what about that sort of what about that did for you as opposed to as opposed to the, I think the one I liked the best was the last one. Yeah, I, I think that match it was just because it wasn't really the, the it was more like New Japan going into UWF style. Yeah, than, well, the, I, I know the first one was like the first one had the pile drivers. I think yeah, oh yeah, that's one I'm thinking of. Uh, okay, yeah. one that ultimately finished uh, I think seventh in the balloting. The one with the finish with Super Tiger putting on the uh, pit, uh, beating him with the, uh, the the chicken wing, right? Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, I just I think did I just I just watched it like a couple days ago because I was I don't I don't know that, I can't remember if I read the writing a review of that or or Tom did. But I think we were watching that stuff. Yeah, that was good. I you know you're right. That's I could see like a lot of what I was doing was writing the reviews for that. Was okay. Why is this match so high in these ballots? Mm-hmm. For not doing, yeah, I mean, the things you liked about that I didn't like, right? Yeah. Like, why are they throwing pile drivers in this? It, <laughs> you know, they, they didn't feel like they got what they, this was the point where they hadn't really figured out what they're doing yet. And yeah. I could see somebody who's like, I can't get into all the shoot style stuff. Oh, good. A diving headbutt. I'm yeah. I'm <laughs> comfortable with that. <laughs> like, in a way where I was like, diving headbutt, what the, you know. Yeah, I'm like, that I makes mean, sense. Not this, this mat work, that's illogical, but. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I could tell, so, um, so yeah, I, I, I think I what did I rank that? I think I was, the best the one I thought was the best was the final match. The Fujiwara Super Tiger match. I thought it was the final one. Then I liked the one 
ended with uh, with uh, Tiger Mask just jumping up in the knee and the head for yep. you know, until the referee had to stop it. Yeah, that was my that. that was my favorite series on the whole. Uh, I thought yeah. that the Tiger Fujiwara stuff was the best. Fujiwara, I mean, you know, he's. I think it was I mean, watching the stuff again. I mean, I've, I've been saying this from the beginning, but you watching it again, like the views and stuff that comes out, seems like head and shoulders above everybody else that was working that style. Mm-hmm. Like he was a guy who was just on a different level than guys like Takata and Payton and uh, you know uh, Yamazaki. I remember you saying that, and I'm like, "Well, we'll see." But you, you were absolutely right because he just—I yeah. think he was in—he was all over my top ten. I know that much. Yeah. And then, yeah, he was—he was real good in this. Was yeah. there a? Oh, go ahead. A guy, I mean, a guy who could work an entire match based around smirks and sneers. Yeah. The Yamazaki match I love so much was really like just a cocky jerk for the first. You know, 15 minutes of it until he finally res- starts respecting Yamazaki and, you know, okay, actually, I'm going to fight with this guy. But for the first couple of minutes, he was like, you know, Yamazaki would throw a kick and then Fujiwara would throw like a fake karate. I'm, I'm making fun of this guy's karate kick mm-hmm. or like to smirk and do a little dance. We did a whole match. They tried to be an asshole. <laughs> can do that. And he can do a match where he's like a, you know, a completely sympathetic baby phase where you're completely behind him making the comeback. I mean, you know. Yeah. He's a guy who gets. There's a great, um, I actually reviewed it, this Death Valley Driver from Japan, a great match uh, between Fujiwara and Choshu from Japan, mm-hmm. where it really is like, I, I think I compared it to Hogan and Rock. Here are the two Japanese guys who aren't going to do a lot. Yeah. You know, these, aren't, like, these aren't your Kawada, Kobashi guys who are throw a thousand suplexes. These are two guys who are going to get by on shortcuts and shtick and sneers and facial expressions awesome. Kind of insane. Yeah. All right, what was uh what was too high on the list for you that you oh, were God the fuck fucking Takata Yamazaki matches. All those. I hated those matches. Hated all hated hated them with an unburning, <laughs> undying passion. I we, me and D did too. I mean we were we were sort of chatting up, uh we were you know on the phone trying to figure out who was gonna review what. Yeah. So, so we ended up just splitting them. You'll take one, I'll take one. I mean, we got to review these. I mean, they have to, that's what we're doing is reviewing them. And the other thing is, I didn't, I tried, like, we got this little when we were doing reviews with the WWF and stuff, and the WWF ballot made it high that neither of us liked. And we're like, well, we can't, you know, theoretically, these reviews are why this match got so high, not how much we hate it. So I was trying to write a positive review about the Takata. Yeah, I really didn't pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> I was pull off doing, yeah, but those things, I, I mean, just, I mean, Japanese juniors wrestling is a type of wrestling at this point in my life that doesn't do a lot for me. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I thought those things were. Like, these guys would start with that kind of meaningless, dull mat work like you'd see in every, uh, like you see in every Minoru Chaka match now. And they go into, like, just exchanging a lot of stuff to a finish in yeah. a way that they didn't tell me stories. So I thought those, I thought, I thought, those were matches that ended up on people's number one, really high on people's list, and they did, they did nothing for me. Uh, so that, those were, I thought, the ones that really ended up really high. I didn't, I was not in love with the tag match that ended up in the top 15 either. That was ended up really well on my list, too. Oh. Yeah, okay. uh, the, yeah the, the Tiger, Takata, Maeda, Fujiwara. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the same reasons that, uh, 
you liked the. I, I bet that was high on your ballot. I'm assuming number three. <laughs> number three, yeah, yeah, same, same thing, right? That, that, yeah, that, it that, was. That's a new Japan tag match. Yeah, and then, and, uh, you know, I, I was, I was into the, I was into the UWF. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so I could see that there was a trippy thing about this. I mean, I don't know if you looked at Chris Harrington's stat. Standard deviations for this stuff was all over the place. I mean, people, mm. people had matches, there were matches that were people's number one and that were in 75 on other ballots. I mean, you just didn't see oh. that in the WWF thing. And the WWF did pretty much the match people liked, most people liked. Whereas here, some people like something and other people just hate it. Wow. Yeah, like me and you. I imagine our ballots completely different. Like Probably. You, I'm sure you, had, you had stuff in, uh, uh, stuff, I had stuff in my top ten that I'm sure was in your bottom ten and, I mean, pretty close probably the other way around. Probably vice versa. Oh. What yeah. was, uh, what was too low for your, uh, your tastes? I really, I really, I'm a, I'm an Asamu Kidu fan and everybody hated him. So, uh, so the Fujiwara Asamu Kidu match, I remember being the, the one from 2285, I think, is in my top five. Oh. My goodness, I'm not having this in front of me. I don't know if I'm be messing up these days. But yeah. uh, the, uh, that match there, there, which I thought was great, it really reminded me a lot of sort of classic uh, Matt Work Lucha matches, like uh, El Dandy versus Nico Navarro, from Blue Panther versus, uh, versus like Solar kind of match with two guys on the mat, really spending a lot of time really countering everything they did. I really, really liked when those guys matched up with each other and people hated those matches. People hated Keto for some reason. Mm. Uh, you a guy who didn't like Keto? Uh, he was kind of in the middle for me, okay. I think. Yeah, but I know there's, there's a lot of people who do things like, God, another Keto match. <laughs> and I, it's a trip, and I think that also is a lot about, uh, I think maybe one of the reasons I liked Keto so much and people did it is that he, we, like I said, me and Tom, we watched it all. We watched every second of, of, of UWF1. And so, whereas we didn't put any terrible UWF1 Maeda matches on this set, or terrible UWF1 Takata matches, or bad Yamazaki matches on there, really. But brother, tell, uh, let me tell you, they were there. They existed. There were some, there were some in UWF1 that were terrible, and boring, or, or you know, floppy. And, and when you, and while Keto is a guy who is consistently solid in everything that he did. So he's the guy that I came out with a lot of respect for after watching all this stuff, because he's the guy that can seem like he'll have pretty good matches with everybody. Where mm-hmm. there were definitely some matches in the UBF1 that was stuff that didn't make the set, uh, that didn't do it. So what, since we were putting on high end stuff, I could see why people would what, be like into other guys more than him. Because mm-hmm. you don't get that sense of consistency when you're Cherry picking the best from uh, something. One of the reasons I, I don't I well, we uh, I watch I watch whole shows a lot more than I think a lot of people. Like a buddy of mine, uh, Tim Cook, both of it if I ever. He's the guy who collects a lot of things, and you know he'll he won't get a get a ROH show or a New Japan show or whatever, and watch the best match. Mm-hmm. Or it feels to me like you gotta watch the bad match. You know what you're watching. You get a sense of what you're watching. Yeah, you gotta watch. Gotta watch the uh, undercard IWA Mid South match. You don't have to watch the match. You can place IWA Mid South in a context. You need to see the the sort of uh, their undercard guys not knowing what they're doing. Like an Uncle Honky on the uh... an Uncle Honky back in the day. I, I remember. Sure. 
or uh, you know a Billy Rock today. I don't. I can't watch that. It's a show in a while, but uh, we've got you know whoever their whoever their yeah. uncle or an uncle hockey equivalent is. <laughs> Uh, I was uh, very upset the uh, Johnny Barrett Minoru Suzuki match finished at uh, 65. I, it was, I had that more in the mil- more middle of the pack, but I think people were just kind of surprised by like the absurdity of that match, and uh, it's actually you know pretty good. I was kind of I don't think about this guy who worked. Bizarrely, in that to shoot in the, I think also with Chicago Lucha. So some of these Are you there? Oh yeah, so there. I lost you for a second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was saying the Johnny. You guys do the Johnny Brett shoot interviews. Guy, did you get that? Like I worked Chicago Lucha. Guy who worked as a WWE job guy. Mm-hmm. Guy who worked uh, UWF and Pro Wrestling Fujiwara Gumi. He's like a fascinating, weird, obscure guy who ended up doing a bunch of interesting things. Hmm. I watched, we ended up doing all that. I don't know, we've got a, a blog, me and Tom, Segunda Kaida. Yep. Blogspot.com. And we did, ended up doing, uh, reviewing all the pro wrestling Fujiwara Gumi, which is kind of what UW, you know, an offshoot of UWF. After that, Johnny Brett shows up a bunch of that and that's a really fun match. Great match with Fujiwara. Hmm. Uh, one of the Fujiwara Gumi matches. So the guys saw a lot more after this. Always really enjoyed it for a guy that seemed completely out of place and having no really business doing what he was doing. Yeah, I uh, I was glad the uh, Chris Dolman Yamazaki match finished last because uh, boy I hated that. So it took me like eight you tries know, to get through that. You know uh, <laughs> the, the story with that is well, that's not a very good match. I think I may have had it last. You know, is the UWF ran a Tokyo Dome show in the mm-hmm. 80s. like it's really one of the first wrestling companies ever on the Tokyo Dome. And so we're watching the show. It's not a good show. And, and you're, because what they were doing is they did a lot of like, who is the strongest fighter, you know, uh, you know, I think, uh, Mo Smith fought to me, fought somebody, and Mo Smith fought Maeda, and you had a lot of stuff like that. And we're watching this, we go, well, this promotion is this huge, it's like, would be like doing a WWF without ever putting out a WrestleMania match, right? Yeah. So we're like, we gotta put something on. Well, this Yamazaki Chris Dolman match is the best match on the show. <laughs> that really made it on, because for a sense that when me and Chris and Tom talk, that it felt like we had to represent something from this company doing this huge, uh, important show. It's how that ended up on there. But yeah, that wasn't my good. How, how did that show draw? I don't know, pretty draw from pretty well. I mean, this was, huh. you know, I, 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 I think, I mean, I, I, you could, that would be an internet. Uh, search somebody would need to do that, uh, but uh, I think what did pretty well. I mean, UWF was a hot thing at that point for a little while, and and this was well before mixed martial arts. So the idea of Maeda against uh, Murray Smith, big kickboxer, right, had some you know had still other appeal hmm. in a way that I don't think it really does. Oh, it still does. I mean, you still see kind of like Brock Lesnar, you know, theoretically going to be drawing big on mixed martial arts. Well, supposedly. Yeah. It's going to be on uh, Showtime. Yeah. Were there any other surprises in the uh, the results? I, you know, I, like I, I don't know. I don't know how much I was really surprised by it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew that this was going to be something. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I got weird taste. Uh, I know that I don't, I don't usually expect the, my uh, taste to be validated. So I was happy. I was really happy that Yamazaki Fujiwara match, which I love so much from 89, got into the top 15. So I was able to do it, you know, whatever that 
hypothetical permanent list is. That was a great match. And yeah. was not in the top 50 for a while. So uh, I was really happy with that. Uh, but I, I don't know how much I was surprised by any of it. I thought yeah. people would, people would like what they liked. And I, I was happy to see somebody do like Fujiwara. I was happy to see that. He's a guy who I don't think three or four years ago everybody anybody was writing about as being any good. So yeah. I think that, that was like a thing that, you know, uh, the Fujiwara resurgence, the, the evaluation of him is something that I was, you know, we did a, we did a bunch of reviews about it. And I was psyched that, that other people were sharing my opinion that that guy was awesome. I was happy the uh, early Onita FMW stuff from '89 did well because that stuff was that that was my kind of my surprise of the as far as quality goes and watching this and oh, I was man, like that was awesome <laughs> that was uh, that yeah that uh, that uh, the, I just watched that uh, the the uh, you know, FMW match but yeah it's great I, mean, I really wish uh, I mean, it kind of makes me at some point want to get like our '90 all the '90 FMW uh, you know and it, it, that's what that really made me do I got to see this all before you know. Well, we can barbed wire match where we still like crazy karate guys. <laughs> yeah, how long did the how long did the crazy karate guys stay around for? I don't know for a while, man. Ayoyagi uh, and Onita, I think, had a barbed wire match in '90 or '91. Hmm. So uh, you know, and at some point, Onita started fighting boxers. He had fight a match with Leon Spinks, which I've never seen, but I would imagine he was like, huh? Uh, so, uh, well, the Fujiwara uh, Gooby stuff is a I'm using a Funaki Roberto Duran match one football movie show. Jeez. Uh, actually kind of so I, I began to kind of see Funaki way out by watching all football movie kind of way I like caught and I don't know like a pretty boy uh, baby face bugs me. I like I like Brock Walsh blast but something currently bugs me. Maybe I'm getting older and hungrier. Pretty mother, pretty bothering me more. But Duran, Duran Funaki was fun. It was fun, although it really did feel like Funaki. Like when Duran started actually getting into it a little bit, Funaki kind of really felt like he ended it in a way. Like I don't want Duran to hit me in the ribs anymore. No. So. <laughs> no. Do you have any more thoughts on the uh, the uh, '80s ballot? Um, I can't. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm psyched people uh, watch all this stuff. I, I was. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty fun. I, I'm kind of surprised. I got I got 64 people to watch 75 uh, shoot matches from the 80s and do balance about it. I mean, I imagine Watts was, and if we uh, well, not when we're going to get it done. Uh, when we do it, that'll be more popular. But it's kind of cool. I really enjoyed this uh, particular set of stuff a lot more than I did the WWF stuff. Mm. So I was kind of happy people got it. The Watts stuff, which we're doing now, is uh, it should say. Uh, we're sort of in the process of going through things and looking for what's good. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's going to be interesting. Right now, it's uh, right now it's a lot of Adrian Street. Oh. The guy is, is, is your head in Watts' work, or from at least the period I'm watching. Um, uh, but Adrian Street is the guy I'm really enjoying from that. Bill Bundy is no surprise, but I'm enjoying, really enjoying Bill Bundy. But mm. um, the Coleros. So, at least the period I'm watching now, I think it's like 84, 85. Guerrero, Bill Bundy, Adrian Street. More than Ted DiBiase for a guy who, you know, it's the guy everybody uh, remembers from that era. Mm. The guy, he's a guy who has a lot of matches with a loaded glove. <laughs> a lot of loaded gloves in that period of DiBiase. <clears throat> another guy, another guy who hates a loaded glove finish, but a lot of loaded gloves. I he see. that glove up with some, with some, uh, uh, with a lot, with a impurity. <laughs> um, 
in logical range. So, so it's going to have, have some, so this, this, that, the UWF said, I mean, even it's sort of the incubatory thing, it's going to have the same kind of thing that WWF listed. It's some fun stuff that I don't think a lot of people have seen. A lot of people have seen your, you know, big Terry Gordy matches, your big dog sure. matches. But, uh, I don't know how many people have seen, uh, Adrian Street Chris Adams. But, uh, <laughs> Adrian Street Chris Adams rule. So I think you guys will really like that. And I know our favorite thing we've watched from the Watts is a uh, Jose Lothario, uh, Brickhouse Brown, Bill Dundee versus Hector and Chavo Guerrero and Buddy Landau elimination tag match. That does sound fun. Yeah, it's on Power Pro Wrestling, which is the show that had in Midtown where they showed arena stuff. Huh. So it's an arena match, not a uh, maybe a boys club match. It goes probably 16, 17 minutes, and yeah. it's all there. There's no way. I think maybe one break to commercial come back with something, something slightly different going on. But mm-hmm. uh, So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. The Guerreros are great as guys, you know, taking huge high backdrops for kind of useless old Jose Lothario. And Bill oh. Dundee is Bill Dundee. I mean, you know, yeah. one, of the, one of the greatest, you know, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's always, always a pleasure to watch. Is there a lot of uh, I haven't seen uh, the only watch I've really seen is the the big stuff you mentioned. Are there any other like hidden workers out there? Like like you wouldn't you probably wouldn't see their stuff because it's not really big. But you watch and you go, oh wow. Hey, you see Adrian Street, the Guerreros, Dundee. I'm trying to think of who else is is fun. Chris Adams is fun. And there's a Chris Adams Killer Khan match that I think's going to make it. I was actually kind of <laughs> upset that Killer Khan Stan Hansen didn't finish 75th. Because it was, it was, for a while it was 75. And oh. I was hoping that we'd have a, I'd have like be able to string a leap motif of last place killer cock matches <laughs> every set. Because the killer cock matches that we're going to put on, that we might not end up putting it on now, but leap motif is ruined. It's really, it's a fun match, but it really feels like something you would finish 100th on a watch set. Yeah. So I was kind of excited to always find a killer cock match people would hate to throw in there. But, uh, um, um, who else was like from this period? Brad Armstrong. Uh, it was really great. I mean, I don't know if Brad Armstrong being great is a shock to anybody. Mm-hmm. But he had a match against Ted DiBiase for the North American title uh, where he took a lot of... He was really, really great taking a uh, turnbuckle shot. Back mm-hmm. I ever seen him taking his head rammed into a turnbuckle. Head rammed into a turnbuckle, flies back. It looks like it's the you know, most brutal thing you've ever seen. Um, I've been enjoying a mass, a Master G I've seen. It's certainly possible no Master G is going to make this sack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I've enjoyed Master G. I don't know if you know the story about Master G. No. Okay, so it's a funny story. A junkyard Dog, obviously a gigantic... I mean, you've read about that, right? Him being this huge, oh, sure. enormous draw in, uh, you know, in, for watch for a long time. And then he leaves and goes to the WWF. And... Well, like you often see with wrestling bookers, when something successful, very, it's very successful that ends, they'll try to Lex Express it. Right? <laughs> it's really possible. It's going to like, Sebastian G was your Lex Express junkyard dog. He was the guy who comes in after JYD, is run out of the territory by Butch Reed. Can't handle the competition anymore. Butch Reed runs him out, which Bill Watts will remind you over and over again. During every Butch Reed or Master G match, how... JYD couldn't handle the heat and has now gained weight in the WWE. There's a really amusing Ted DiBiase, Tito Santana match, uh, which is probably going to make the set, which is from 83 that aired in the end of 84, and they cleared by commentary they're trying to make it like it's the Intercontinental Champion coming <laughs> in 
to wrestle Teddy DiBiase in Texas and not hanging with him, where the entire match is like, go watch Glumbling about uh, how fat the Junkyard Dog has gotten. <laughs> 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 yes. so, wow. so, so Sebastian G is your, is your Lex Express JYD. He comes in uh, in street clothes, calmly removes his coat. This is his first appearance. And just beats up Butchery, like bumps Butchery all over the ring in a way that nobody, obviously Butchery is, you know, this guy, nobody's done that to him. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, George Wells. I think the only time anybody... Oh, WrestleMania. Oh, it's funny. We were just talking about WrestleMania 2, and we were like, George Wells, like, I never heard of this guy before or after. It was like his only wrestling appearance. He was Master G? He was Master G. Wow. the guy getting your big push and walk. And they, I guess the sense the WWF stole them in the dickish way. They would just randomly steal people at yeah. during those. You know, like well, I think at one point they, when DJ Peterson had the NWA tag belt through the end of the NWA, all of a sudden DJ Peterson shows up like a job guy in primetime wrestling. Uh, you know, Vince would do stuff. I think, sure. I think I remember reading in the Observer during the two weeks WSX had good ratings that Vince had uh, offered uh, contracts to Matt Seidel and Ruckus. Oh, well. This is a music pair of midget. You guys deal too. I mean, Matt Seidel is four foot nine. Yeah. Matt Seidel is, I think, probably significantly shorter than Rey Mysterio. <laughs> for a guy that they, they are offering contracts to screw with people. So I get the sense what happened was George Wells was the guy that just stole the be assholes. Wow. Um, but uh, so the music thing about George Wells, I think I have kind of a, a personal fondness for George Wells. He is from my hometown of Oakland, California, oh. or as uh, as Bill Watts put it during his matches, the dark ghettos of Oakland, <laughs> oh, California. God. Amusing racist Bill Watts commentary. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so he's a guy who, who gets a big push there for a while, and then ends up kind of, his push ends up, they turn Butch Reed's face, hmm. and try to turn Butch Reed into the junkyard dog. Um, uh, and they may sort of, Master G goes into a sort of a tag team with Rickhouse Brown, kind of undercard tag team. The music thing about uh, Master G is a couple things. His finisher was the floor leg lock, which is called the Master Lock. Oh. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you, you know the floor leg lock? No. It's sort of similar to the Gibson leg lock. It's like, okay. a, it's, like, it's like a figure four rolled into a pinning combination almost. Okay, oh yeah. It's a really, really cool move. So he buffed that out in one of the ghetto, one of his multiple ghetto street fights. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and it can't just be a street fight. It's got to be a ghetto street fight. It's got to be a ghetto street. All these black guys fighting. Uh, and uh, and uh, the other thing is he's uh, got a lot of, like, for some reason he's a guy with lots of different head scissors, which is a ridiculous <laughs> move for your for your fake junkyard dog black super baby face to be in big. Boardwell's big. To yep. be using a guy with multiple head scissors. <laughs> Kind of really poorly executed head scissors, but they're really fun to watch. Like Chavo, Guerrero knows how to bump for head scissors. Oh, yeah. uh, but it's amusing to watch Master G break out his multiple head scissors variations. Because Chavo, the uh, one of the amusing matches did make the set. It's not very good, but it's a ghetto street fight where you're uh, with your baby face team of Master G and Magnum TA against your heel team of. Uh, of uh, Butch Reed and Ernie, end of his career, Ernie Ladd, R.I.C. Ernie Ladd. Um, Ernie Ladd's a guy who never, in his entire career, screamed ghetto, right? He's never a guy yeah. who a ghetto heel gimmick. His gimmick was that he was uh, artic- articulate uh, Bill Russell, tall black guy who white people didn't like because he was because uh, he was too educated sounding. He was never, uh, he never worked a ghetto gimmick. His gimmick no. was uh, 
was I'm a black guy who, who, who was went to school, so you know, so you're white racist, don't like me because I'm educated. So it's all, so he comes in to this ghetto street fight really wearing a pair of like docker slacks and a polo shirt. Which looks exactly the way like a black Republican has to come into a ghetto street fight. Get dressed like uh, like casual Friday out <laughs> this ghetto street fight. So so Master G uh, may be your other hidden guy, but he may be so hidden that none of us imagine they came because kind of stinks. But uh, oh. he's a guy I've consistently enjoyed. I mean, right now I'm really watching one period. Yeah. Uh, so like I'm going 8:45, like working through that. Um, I, but like I said, you are, I will get consistent as you go through all of this, consistently amusing to watch racial stuff. Like, uh, the Guerreros at this point, Chavo and Hector, are being booked as aris, uh, aristocratic Mexicans. Okay. Like, they're, they're listed as being from, from Spanish royal stock, Spanish aristocratic stock, uh-huh. who comes in and who is like, who is feuding at this point with your good, Working class Mexican Jose Lothario. Like, and, you know, Bill Watts kind of really contemptuous. These aren't the kind of guys who will be, who will be mowing your lawn or washing your dishes in a way that that's why they're heels. Like, like Bill Watts really calling up. These aren't the guys who are going to wash your dishes in a way like, like we like our Mexicans to. These people think they're as good as white people in a real way. That's how they're being booked, which is a really amusing way to book the Guerreros. Wow. As these aristocratic Mexicans who think they're, you know, you think they're like upper class, so boo. Boo. <laughs> is this usually um, like like solid quality stuff, or is there like just some real bad stuff on here? Oh, there's some bad stuff. I mean, I, you know, there's all, always bad wrestling, but I, a lot of it's well, you know, even the it, well, it's a mix between Power Pro, which is arena stuff, and mm-hmm. then the TV show, which is Irish McNeil Boys Club Studio Wrestling. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, so maybe it's not bad. But, you know, studio wrestling matches are short. A yep. lot of the studio wrestling matches are going to be things that aren't, aren't going to be making sets because they're five minutes long. Yeah. But usually not bad. I mean, they didn't really have a lot of bad wrestlers in, 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 in that period, at least the period I'm watching. I mean, you know, Master G wasn't very good. <laughs> but he was fought fine. And there wasn't really a lot of I mean, I'm not a huge Terry Taylor fan. Mm-hmm. That's all over that uh, backyard. Uh, I prefer mm-hmm. people that wrestling training. Uh, I don't know if you knew that about Terry Taylor. But, I did not, in fact. Apparently, Terry Taylor's story was he was a guy who showed up uh, at an Irish McDeal boys club with a buddy of his who was uh, working as enhancement talent. And he's kind of a big, good-looking young guy. Go watch it. Throw him in there. Wow. Start wrestling. So, you know, like, you guys, I feel like I should have to pay their game. They should be back here just like Terry Taylor. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, no, but, yeah, everybody, so everything's pretty good. Although, you know, there's a, you know, obviously golfs where some of it's great and some of it's good, but kind of short. Yeah. And the Rock and Roll Express were around at that point and the Night Express were around. Mm. And then, so, you know, 90A, I guess, is kind of greenish. There's a, uh, one of the matches we'll probably make it is a, the 90A Flair match um, oh. from uh, New Orleans, which really is amusing. Like, I was, I was actually watching it with a buddy of mine, Lee Banaka, and we were asking, I was asking, have you ever seen 90A Flair wrestling? I mean, obviously, they feuded a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm unclear if I remember ever seeing any of their matches against each other. And then you watch it, and I go, well, I've, I've never seen Flair wrestle Magnetier, but I've seen this match. Because yeah. really it's funny, if you watch Flair work his match against a guy who brings nothing to the table. 
<laughs> like you'd see that flare match, flare against Luger, sure. really kind of flare against Sting for a lot of it. Where it's like Flair's gonna this guy is bringing nothing to it, but Flair has a set a match he can work against the guy who brings nothing to the table. Oh. You know, Magnetic puts Flair in a figure four, Flair goes to the top of him gets thrown off, <laughs> you know, Magnetic puts him in a sleeper. We have no idea whether any of these moves are Magnum PA moves. But, you know, you, you know, uh, so uh it, it was funny it was funny to watch. Um and Flair wins clean with a backslide. Really? I don't think I've ever seen heel Flair win a match clean. And the backslide? Like, yeah, the backslide. Wow. He doesn't put his feet on the ropes, doesn't grab the trucks. Huh. They really had to rewind it twice. So, <laughs> that's a, but it's going to be, it's going to be, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to getting into sort of the later stuff, which I yeah. remember being really great, too. That's some of the stuff. I mean, I caught bits and pieces of it on TV uh, when it was going on. Mm. 87, 88. I don't know if you were watching wrestling back then. I was, but I was. I'm in the Northeast, so I was just a firmly. It was just WWF for me back then. I didn't even know this stuff existed. That's a shame. It is a shame, <laughs> but hopefully I, I can make up for it with. Uh... Yeah, that's a, that's rough, brother. I feel for it. Well, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a rough period. That's a, I mean, I had a. I always had TBS, so I always. Ah. Uh, I was able to watch, you know, Dusty and Ric Flair and Garn uh, and Tully and. You know, all those, the next brass rock all those guys when I was going on, so. No. Nope, didn't have any of that. Uh, is it, uh, so what are you watching right now besides all this, uh... Uh, well, I just watched the Jamie Dundee shoot interview. Yes, uh, I heard, heard some of your comments about this. Doing coke in a tanning bed. Which is the guy who, yeah, he killed Billy Joe Travis. Uh, uh he really good music with the music, but it's really offhand. Like, dude, whoever the high-spot shoot interview announcer is, asked him, what are your thoughts about people? And he's like, what is your thought about, you know, Dutch Mantel? Like, oh, I love Dutch Mantel, you know. Dutch Mantel's great. I remember this one time I was 13 and joyriding in my dad's car all coked up, and Dutch Mantel saw me joyriding, and he never told on me. So I love Dutch Mantel. <laughs> and he's like, like Billy Joe Travis. Oh, you know, Billy Joe, me and him were brothers, man. We didn't, you know, we, we, we. We got along real well. A lot of people didn't like Billy Joe Travis. I remember there was one time it was in the WWF where he told everybody that his mama died and everybody gave him a thousand dollars and then he <laughs> five drugs. And his mom was still alive and people didn't like him for that. And, uh, but I love Billy Joe Travis. And I gave him the Coke. I remember, I remember he came over to my house and I gave him a bunch of Coke and then he died later that day of the Coke. And, you know, I love Billy Joe Travis. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, once he goes to a tanning bed, you can't do a tanning bed when you're on Coke, man. Your heart goes too fast. And it was just really because the way he said, I gave Billy Joe Travis the coke that he OD'd on, was about as offhand as he could possibly say anything. Yeah, I gave him the coke he OD'd on, and he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good guy. Oh, my God. So it's pretty spectacular. And Jamie Tuttee is just so suited in the entire thing. I mean, he's like rubbing his lips, smacking his lips, rubbing his nose. I mean, he is just, you know. He's method acting during all those sports. <laughs> so it's really fun to watch. I mean, I'm a, I'm a you know, good guy who's a big fan of Memphis wrestling. I like PG-13, like Jamie Dundee a lot. So it's fun. It's fun. I'm not a big shooting review guy. I don't think I've ever watched maybe more than one or two shooting reviews in my entire life. But that's, if you're going to get one, coke down Jamie Dundee talking about, uh, talking about how uh, he had to get 40 midgets for the Jerry Springer show. Is, uh <laughs> Wow, that's you know I don't know if that's what he does. One of the things he does now is he does books for the Jerry Springer show. Sure, and uh, and apparently how he got the job was Iron Sheik, who had appeared a bunch of times for the Jerry Springer show. Jerry Springer called Iron Sheik and said he needed midgets, 
And Iron Sheik says, Jamie Dundee has midgets. <laughs> and apparently he called Jamie Dundee and said, Spurrier Show's going to pay you $400 if you can get him 40 midgets. And, you know, Jamie Dundee's apparently a guy you can call up for the last-minute requesting 40 midgets. That's your 40 midgets. Jesus. Wow. So, uh, I mean, it's always good to know people who can do things. Yeah. I don't know, that's always been my thing. You know, it's always good to know a guy who can get you concert tickets. Know, know, know somebody at your bank who can, you know, speed you through the line. Know a guy at a uh, know bartenders who can get you cheap drinks. Know a guy who can get you 40 minutes if you need 40 minutes. I'm a big believer in knowing people who can do things for you. I always think that's a good uh, thing to have in life. Yeah. Ten bucks a so minute. That ain't bad. Maybe that deal gave you You know, apparently, Barry Sugar's will apparently, he said, you know, treats people well first class. Huh. Uh, so we're watching that. Uh, what else? Um, but I, I don't know if you know, one of the other goofy projects that I come up with on the Death Outer Board is we're doing the 64 uh, match Lucha Libre Madness tournament. Hmm. I don't know if you did you know that. A lot of people don't check the Lucha Board. But what we did was we said we got 64 of the best Lucha matches of all time. We, uh, we're going to upload them and then we seeded them and then we're going to run uh, match versus match until we get down to one. Wow. So I'll, if everybody, if you haven't been doing that, man, go to the Lucha Board. We just started it. We had the first round. There's going, some of the couple of first round matchups are going on right now. Uh, you can download them, talk about them, uh, vote on them. So I've watched, I watched a fair amount of Lucha to get uh, prepped for that, hmm. uh, find out what's what. So it's pretty cool stuff. There's, right now there's uh, one of the, the match set that's up right now. is uh, It's going to be up for another couple of days is uh, a pair of Parada, uh, the five seed and the 11 seed, I think, from the uh, Gory Guerrero bracket is Parada Morgan versus El Perone, hair versus hair, versus Parada Morgan versus Mascara, hair versus. And uh, not for the week of stomach. Oh. Either of those matches. So if you're a fan of, uh, if you're a fan, I don't know if you're a big Lucha fan, but if you can, uh, if you go, like, if you like your, uh, you like your matches, Splattered red. Uh, <laughs> Morgan versus Alperado. Morgan versus Mascara are some of the bloodiest things. Both of them, some of the bloodiest things you're ever going to see. Mm. Uh, uh, Morgan Alperado match ends on a blood stoppage, and if you don't even know Lucha Libre, ending on a if you're going to end a match on a blood stoppage, you're going to have to end a match on a blood <laughs> stoppage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you buy the finish. Yeah. It's a finish that you're calling for about 10 minutes before it happens. Like, I should really stop this last one. This guy bleeds to death. <laughs> uh, and again, this is the point. It feels to me what, like, Prada Morgan does if you're watching this. I think he blades his dead eye. Because uh. he, like, always bleeds. He's got, like, well, you know, he's missing an eye. That's why he's Prada Morgan. He's sure. I think he blades his dead eye or blades his eye, eye socket or something. That's where all this kind of blood flows out of. The repulsive eye. That'd be a great visual, so, though, I have to say. It, it, it is a great visual. I mean, it's, you know, it's repugnant. I mean, it's really <laughs> disgusting. But, uh, but uh, so those are up now. I think those, I think that, that set is up. And there's an Aljira Santo versus Braza de Oro uh, match versus hair match and a Flair Zagura versus Octagon match that are also being matched up right now on the board. Hmm. So everybody, everybody's listening to those who haven't done that. Go check that out. I mean, you know, literally basically the greatest wrestler in the world. Yep. And this is the greatest of the Lucha League. Right? Some of the stuff is just spectacular. So everybody who hasn't been participating in that tournament needs to go to our Lucha board and the FI driver, download stuff, watch it. Even if it's not 
something that you can't get into, you're one of the people who can't get into Lucha, there's something pretty universal about Toronto Morgan uh, 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 chewing on Mascara's forehead and then Muda misting his blood in the air that you can get past of being Mexican or whatever your problem is literally, right? <laughs> when, it's, when it's Toronto Morgan spitting this guy's blood in the air. So go watch that. Go, uh, go watch Santo, Brazador, which is also a spectacular match. Uh, so watch that. Watch some of that. I don't know what else do I, what else do I have. I got some, got some stuff. I watched a Noah show for the NFL driver and didn't, didn't care for. We mentioned the miserably awful Rocky Romero versus, uh, versus, uh, Katara Suzuki's cartoon gimmick match. Um, so I've been hating Rocky Romero recently. I love when you called him the, the Cuban Josh Daniels, which made me laugh yeah. and laugh and laugh. Because I just watched a Josh Daniels match that made me want to punch the TV. So. Well, he's he, 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 John Walters. I mean, really, is this guy who's guy who's gonna gonna definitely go through your generic '98 indie mat wrestling into your generic '98 indie arm work? I just. I can't stand him. Uh, that match, he had a match with Ricky Marvin, um, which is up there on the internet. Yep. Uh, that Ricky Marvin, I you know, has been blowing me away for a while, but had like these two crazy tag matches with all the greatest in the world. So uh, Ricky Marvin, sort of, uh, I was really high on Ricky Marvin, mm-hmm. and boy, Rocky Romero will kill your enjoyment of a wrestler. <laughs> you watch, you watch this Ricky Marvin match; it was atrocious. And I was like, wow, maybe Ricky Marvin isn't that good. Maybe I'm just, maybe Uh-oh. I'm just. Maybe just the uh, bells and whistles have fooled me, because, man, does this match suck. <laughs> Maybe Rocky's just that bad. But, yeah, he might be just that bad. Yeah. Um, I think that's actually looks like it's uh, Tom K, who's beeping me probably to say that he's uh, drinking. Okay. <laughs> Coming over. He's going to get early time to go off to just let him, uh, let him call. Um the, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, but, uh, uh but, uh, all those great, yeah, people are watching stuff for 2007. Both those Rock, Ricky Marvin, uh, Tara Suzuki tag matches with Briscoe's and against Rocky Romero and, uh, Tajer Jamari. Mm-hmm. Nobody in that match outside of Ricky Marvin is somebody that's ever said anything good about. Uh, are both pretty fun. Yeah, I always thought I always thought Suzuki kind of got shat. I mean, he's not good, but I don't think he was the worst wrestler ever. Like a lot of people, Katara Suzuki. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy from Noah with the dyed blonde eyebrows. Yep, that's one. Uh, he's got a lot better. Uh, he was pretty bad when he started out. He's pretty, pretty bad. He was pretty bad at a point where people were saying that he just saw it, uh, and then I think he got to the point where he doesn't think anymore. Yeah, um, I thought Smashing Romero was really bad, but I, I'll blame that on him. He had a re- there's a really, really fun uh, Ricky Marvin versus Tiger Emperor, which I think was because of the previous mass gimmick before he did the Hush King thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a mass that not much about. It's like 2004. It's really, really great. Hmm. And uh, kind of turned me on that guy a little bit. that could be carried in a mass versus hair mass by Ricky Marvin. Have you ever seen that? No, I don't think I have. It's probably out there on the internet somewhere. Yeah. I think it may be on Ditch's site. It's worth seeing. It's a your guy will enjoy a lucha match. It's really, Ricky Marvin doing his I'm flares by taking this crappy octagon to a to a really really great lucha hair versus mask match. Um, that's really fun to watch. And he's a perfectly fine guy to do complicated uh, sequences, tag sequences. Ricky Marvin. See, I got to beat that guy. And even Taj Mallory, 
He was a guy I could not stand for a long time. I thought his match against Kent was an abomination against <laughs> God. But I enjoyed him as a guy who's got some flashy spots. Ricky Martin's got to figure out something to do with. I'm glad Ricky's uh, doing pretty good for himself. I remember seeing him against uh, 2000, I think, against Sangre Azteca, the opener of that, that pay-per-view. I think the first CMLL pay-per-view, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Kind of, I'm glad he got out because he'd probably still be, like, in the opening. <laughs> in the opening match against Sangre Azteca. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he might have gotten the best to go gimmick and been, you know, oh, uh, yeah. and been outside with WWF contract. I mean, they were oh. looking for a little guy to stick, to have be adopted by Frey Tormenta. He might have been that. <laughs> So it might be he might be a huge gigantic star right now. I mean, I can see this. I mean, I kind of think that's what they did was they looked for the guy who was kind of the most impressive on your CMLL undercard mm-hmm. to stick on a mask and have adopted by Fraser Magic. It feels like Ricky Marvin, if he was still around, might have been the guy adopted by Fraser Tormenta. Hmm. So there's your other. Well. So he still, in fact, could be in the opening match with Magrath Saka, or he could be, you know, the biggest star in Mexico right now. I think could could have been gone either way. He could have had a. He could be getting an amusing uh, WWF offer, so uh, they could take away his gimmick and unmask him. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite thing to do to a uh, my favorite WWF understands nothing sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> you heard that? You know, you heard they were looking for Mexico. Oh yeah, yeah they want to unmask him because they, they, they already have a mask guy. So yeah, take away his gimmick, and it's like you know, if you do that, he's just a guy without a mask and a gimmick who isn't very good or over. So yeah. why not just? You already have my Seidel phone number. <laughs> You're looking for that guy. Just sign my Seidel. Paul London's legitimately Mexican and speaks English. And he's already looking, there. He's already there doing really nothing with. So it uh, seems like, uh, seems like uh, but, you know, what do I know? They're the millionaires, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But uh, but uh, it's a funny, I, my, I think the joke I wrote was that, or I think I joke I stole from Tom. Was that they were going to? Uh, they're going to have uh, apparently him be adopted by Friar Ferguson. Was <laughs> they come in or uh, or what is it? The sisters of was it the sisters of mercy? What the hell were? Uh, yeah, the I think there's none gimmick. Yeah, that one week on Shotgun Saturday Night. We'll bring those guys back and have them uh, adopt uh, adopt Mystico. Wow, because it's a really great gimmick, but. Uh, but I mean, I think you do a really, I think you do really interesting things with running a Mystico versus Shawn Michaels, uh, Catholic versus uh, versus Evangelical Christian. There's a lot of interesting things I think you could do with that feud. Yeah. If you had a, you know, some, if you had somebody who could write, write a religious schism uh, uh, feuding. Hmm. I don't know if you can't have anybody who could write that. I think you can. I don't know if there is anybody who could write that. But it feels like there's something there. It can be done with your really Catholic guy against your really uh, born again guy. <laughs> well, that'd be different. I mean, they had him. They had him. Uh, they had him. Uh, 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 they had him do his tryout match against Dean Malenko. I suppose you could do. I don't know if you could have a guy, uh, a Catholic, uh, work face as a guy, guy persecuting Jews and during the Inquisition. <laughs> he only really works in the face. But yeah. it feels like you do a Catholic. I mean, there's still lots of things you could do with this because you're not going to take advantage of. Huh. Well, I guess we'll never know if he uh, if he doesn't if sign. He take off his mask. Yeah. He's smart, it's, I guess. It's a, a lost a lost opportunity. That's a shame. I've been. Uh, anything else you've been watching? Um, uh, let's see. Did they talk about the JBW shoot interview. Yep. Uh, like I said, uh, just a ton of lucha. There's. Sort of uh, uh, Jose Fernandez unearthed, or actually, uh, 
Yeah, I guess it was Jose. I unearthed a bunch more new weird lucha from like '91 that nobody had. Huh. So I've been watching some of that. They're trying to figure out actually what was good for this tournament. There's really some some really really fun stuff there. Uh, it's a really great uh, Popataka six man, which I think is really, we see it in the tournament. Oh. Uh, the Popataka, the guy I've been enjoying uh, lately, and uh, yeah, I, I think that may, that may be that may be all about. How about you? What have you been watching? Oh, I've been watching. I I, I tracked down the uh, the U.S. Tag Title Tournament from 1990, which took place entirely on Worldwide. So you had a bunch of little 10 minute matches and. And, and you'd have Midnight Express against the Rock and Roll Express, first round, great. And then you'd have, like, the Mod Squad against the Dynamic Dudes, and it's, like, a, a bit of a dichotomy. I have no memory of that at all. Who else was in that? The Mod Squad, the Dynamic Dudes? Uh, uh, Rock and Roll's Midnight. You had the Freebirds, uh, Tommy Rich and Eddie Gilbert. And what was the last first round match? Tommy Rich and Eddie Gilbert were actually in 1990 yeah. in the WCW? Yeah, this would have been, like, like January uh, 1990. What was the last team? Weird. Midnight Freebirds. I think I covered them all. Oh, Freebird. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I also found the the GWF like TV title tournament. So I have like Sweet Daddy Falcone against Randy Rhodes to uh, to get through now. Did that was, like, uh, that was the second match on? That. I'm like, oh, I'll put this one aside was, till I come back for. Uh, was uh, was Fantasma in that one? Was who? Did you have either? I remember the cool thing about GWF is that for a while they bring in. Luchadors, they had Fantasma, and I think they had Gypsy Joe under a mask. Oh, Either of those guys in that TV tournament? I don't know. I'll, I haven't seen the bragging. That was like the second match, and I'm like, I'll come back to this Pistolero, one. Uh, the guy who was El Pistolero. Oh, no, I'm excited. Pistolero, I think was Gypsy Joe under a mask. It might have been Billy Two Eagles under a mask. Either Billy Two Eagles or oh, Brian Keith. Against Billy, Brian like, oh my God, the most nondescript guy in history and against Brian Billy Black. Terrible. Yeah, he was pretty bad. I mean, I can't believe that he got a job past uh, world class. I know he's like best friends with Kevin Von Eric, but uh, but uh, I can't believe that he actually got a job. Yeah. Past that. <laughs> like this whole thing's like three and a half hours. I'm like, this yeah. could take a little while to get through. Hey, was that was that Cherry Gordy in that at that point? Cherry Gordy. I know there's going to be a lot of Buddy Landell. I know he went to the finals in that one, so that's good. Yeah, but he's a devil guy. Always, uh, always a guy you want to watch wrestle. Yeah, so, so yeah, <laughs> a lot of stuff to get through. So, you have anything else Better. you want to uh, talk about? No, oh, yeah, I think we. Uh, it seems like it seems like we covered some things. We ran the uh, gamut. Yeah, I think we called it all. You got I, again. I'm trying to get. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm, I'm pretty much. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I think we're good. We so. code. Uh, yes. On that note, <laughs> we'll call fuck? it. Everybody needs to. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna shell some things. Yeah, go Everybody ahead. Needs to go to the Lucha 64 tournament and watch Lucha, including you. Needs to go watch Lucha Libre. I'll do Download that. Download it all. We've got the bow, the bracketing. It's a ridiculous, uh, fun idea. Um, uh, uh, both sagundakaida.blogspot.com. Uh, still doing. We're. I think we're gonna start uh, doing all the UWF Hamada reviews. All right. Watch that. Uh, other ridiculous things that whatever me and Tom do when we sit around have drunk watching wrestling. Right about that. Concussion.blogspot.com. Also, ridiculous thing me and Tom are doing. We're currently doing all the iTunes top 50. So you'd hear us uh, uh, say ridiculous things about bad current popular music. Uh, Deathballdriver.com. Always the new Deathballdriver. Read that. 
And uh, uh, tell Tom to uh, get going on those T and A reviews, which are like the best thing on the internet. He's got one written that that, 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 that where he talks a lot of that I, I know he's going to put out probably any minute now. Sweet. Where he talks a lot about uh, I got the, I got I think a class he took on mime in college, comparing <laughs> it to the way a bit a bit a bit thing. So that so I know that there's there should be one any moment now. Uh, and I'll uh, yeah I'll talk to you later, buddy. I will do a little shilling of my own and encourage everyone to visit JoeVersusTheWorld.com or TheCubsFan.com for a full archive of all prior shows. And with that, I thank you for listening, and I will talk to you soon.